0: Each year, at the beginning of the rainy season, the people of Yoro, Honduras, gather buckets, barrels, pails, and nets in anticipation of fish that will fall from the sky. And each year, for as long as anyone can remember, sardines have fallen by the barrel full. The shower of fish, as the natives call it, generally starts around 4 or 5 p.m. and is followed by electric storms and strong winds. The fish are left alive and jumping on a grassy plain southwest of the town. In 1833, lumps of a wool-like substance descended on miles of countryside near the French village of Montusson. Elsewhere, swaths of silk like material and billowing threads have fallen, as though from a vast aerial haberdasher's warehouse. In many parts of the world, frogs and toads have also fallen numerous times and in monstrous numbers, and so have winkles, worms, and even snakes. Blood has been seen dribbling or pouring from the sky. Beans and grains fall, and so do meat muscle and fat. Reports of these and many other kinds of skyfall have graced the pages of history books. They range in believability from the more or less acceptable to the downright incredible. And at the farther end of this spectrum are events that may well belong to another category of the unexplained.
1: Hey, all you strange observers and sky watchers, welcome back to your favorite podcast. That would be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Hey, man. Dude, I mean, I feel like we've just had our eyes to the sky for several weeks now. We sure have. I mean, it, there's definitely a, a, there's a theme for sure going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. It's kind of like one of those things where you can't talk about one without
0: first yeah. talking about the other. Mm-hmm. And so I am pretty pumped about the weird stuff, dude, that's coming from the sky. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. This is a topic that, you know, it's, it's known by a lot of things, but I guess as a blanket term, it's sort of unexplained aerial, I would say phenomenon, but it's that, that would lead you to believe that it's like a UFO. This is stuff that is like, that comes from the sky, whether it's, you know, something terrestrial in nature, like, uh, you know, frogs falling to what they, they phrase it as a uh, meat showers, which mm-hmm. is a little weird, uh, to, you know, star jelly and angel hair and all kinds of crazy stuff. And it's something that like, I remember as a kid being in all those books, especially a book that you have in mind right now, what he called... Uh, mysteries of the unexplained and like books like that, they would have like these just one-off accounts of all this weird stuff, you know, like mm-hmm. 1917 in in Wales, there was a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a shower of fish. It's just this bizarre kind of stuff that is really perfect. In my opinion, it's, it's like the perfect high strangeness. Cause there's really no explanation for it.
0: Yeah. And it's funny that you mentioned this book because, you know, truthfully, yeah. uh, a book that you probably have right by your bedside has some, some pretty interesting accounts of things falling from the sky uh, as well. And so, what I want to do first is I want to kind of focus on some of these things that seemingly are falling from the sky. Oftentimes, that term is is um, referred to as skyfall. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the earliest records of you know mysterious or miraculous things falling from the sky actually occurs in chapter ten. Verse 11 of the book of Joshua in the Old Testament. Ooh. So let me just set the scene a little bit here. The Israelites, led by Joshua, have kind of routed the Amorite army. Mm-hmm. And in a surprise night attack, they're basically in hot pursuit of these guys, okay?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And here's uh, here's just uh, the verse here. It says, And as they fled before Israel, while they were going down the the ascent of Beth Horon, the Lord threw down great stones from heaven upon them as far as Az- Ezekah, what what is that ezekiah no there's no ayah it's a z e k a h uh, i don't know i'm gonna my Hebrew is a little rusty as far as Ezekah, and they died there are more who died because of the hailstones than the men of Israel killed with the sword pretty uh Pretty interesting there, right? Yeah, really interesting. And what's interesting is two verses after that, one of the most astonishing events in the Old Testament is described, the sun stands still until the Israelites have avenged themselves. Now, that's interesting to me and kind of off topic a little bit, but the only reason I bring it up is because it's just a couple of verses later. And what the heck explanation that might be? I don't know, but a motionless, bright aerial disc. Yeah. kind
1: of wonder... (laughs) I was right about to get into the, I I feel like, well, I haven't seen a ton of it, but like ancient aliens, I'm sure Mm -hmm. that it's been like, that's been like sort of claimed to be like a UFO, which I mean, you know, if you see a a giant bright glowing thing in the sky, like that doesn't Mm move. Yeah. That doesn't move. Those people would be like, oh, well that's that's there's the sun
0: yeah of course you know these folks life expectancy back then was like i don't know 16 17 <laughs> so you know in in comparison they're looking at the sun they're like boy it's a long day huh mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. here's kind of cool uh, really this cool. is less um of a sort of descriptive reference here but in judges chapter 5 verse 4 it says lord when thou didst go forth from seir when thou didst march from the region of edom the earth trembled and the heavens dropped Yea, the clouds dropped water. So it's interesting to me because they kind of are specific to the heavens dropped, you know. So are they talking about the clouds and rainfall? Eh, Mm -hmm. Maybe, right? Mm -hmm. But listen to this. So in verse 20 of that same chapter, it says, From heaven fought the stars. From their courses they fought against Caesarea. So it's like things are falling from the sky... Mm-hmm. it just happened to coincide with some of these battles what's going on here mm-hmm. in the first book of samuel this is also interesting man especially since you know coming off of you know uh several weeks of you know first talking about like nope and prey and then mm-hmm. um thunderbirds mm-hmm. and now we're starting to get into like i guess interp- We we, we kind of come back to this like how people interpret things that are happening right. during their time right and so this verse says, As Samuel was offering up the burnt offering, the Philistines drew near to attack Israel. But the Lord thundered with a mighty voice that day against the Philistines. Philistines? Philistines? I say Philistines. Against the Philistines and threw them into confusion. And they were routed before Israel. So it's like, oh, 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 check this out, dude. This is crazy. And the men of Israel pursued the Philistines and smote them as far as below beth Car. Then... Samuel took a stone and set it up between Mizpah and Jeshana, and called its name Ebenezer, for he said, Hitherto the Lord has helped us. In Hebrew, this is weird, dude. Not weird, but cool. The words Ebenezer mean stone of help.
1: Hmm. Wild, right? That's really cool, yeah.
0: I mean, so like the falling of stones and stuff in a military context mm-hmm. actually occurs a lot in the middle of the sixth uh, century with like Rome. There's actually this explanation that's written in the book of, um, it's like a history of Rome. And it talks about in around 672 to 640 BC, an entire Roman state were kind of coming up on this mountain. And all of a sudden it just started raining. Hellstone's which the wind piled into drifts upon the ground and a shower of pebbles, some of them uh, explained it. And then they also heard a mighty voice issuing from the grove on the mountaintop. Mm. So there's a bunch like in, uh, in Greek history and stuff. But then kind of later, and this is all kind of ancient history and then we'll kind of move into more modern stuff. But, you know, reading more, of course, everybody probably remembers sort of, well, especially whenever you're thinking about like Exodus, right? So mm-hmm. you've got accounts of fish, grain, frogs, the closest kind of thing, of, uh, or I guess the closest comparison to ancient history in the and frogs uh, kind of falling from the sky, of course, would be like the second plague in mm-hmm. Egypt. I was about to say, is this? are you talking about the plague? Right? Yeah, yeah, the plague of frogs, yeah. uh, which if you're following locusts. along, if you've got your student Bible, it's uh, Exodus 8, verse 1 through 14. Mm-hmm. And you know, like the locusts, in terms of like with this context is, you know, less sort of fantastic to, to most folks because they got wings and they're flying around anyway.
1: Well, but, I, but I've heard that the the reason that that was so uh sort of, I, mean, I don't know if miraculous is a word because it was a plague. But I, I think the, the big deal was that like that was something that would have never taken place in those particular areas. And yeah. so it was like they just came out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, and know? I think also the volume yeah, oh, of them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean – Again, man, like
0: here's something that I don't remember learning about in Bible study, but it says a burning object fell into Lake Van, Armenia in 1110 A.D., turning the waters red, mm. it, you know, just like the, when the Nile turned red in, yeah. uh, in Exodus. Man, that's, yeah. wait, Where where is this? In uh, Lake Van in Armenia. And w- when was this? The year 1110 A.D. Wow. Mm -hmm.
1: I've never heard of this.
0: Yeah. Even during the reign of Charlemagne in the ninth century, uh, they talk about an enormous block of ice falling from the sky, and I swear we've talked about that before. I mean, just at least mention it.
1: Yeah, that does. Something about that sounds familiar, yeah. Um, Most
0: of the falls from the sky kind of in and around sort of ancient times actually have quite a few modern parallels, but a few are unique. As an example, there's no sort of recent counterpart that I know of. You might be able to to kind of correct me on this, but in 1578 in Bergen, Norway. <laughs> um, the Bergens a, are
1: coming. Yeah,
0: the Bergens <laughs> are coming. That's why There was like this huge amount of large yellow mice that fell from the sky. What? Yep. And in 1579, like a year later, lemmings fell from the sky.
1: Same place. Now, what exactly are lemmings? They're just like little rodents, dude. I've heard of them forever. I mean, you, you know, there used to be like... The, the game, game, right? Yeah. 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 But they were just like little... I mean, I guess they were like little like people, though. So I've never known like what an actual real lemming is. They're just like... Uh, it's, it's a small rodent
0: usually found in one or near the Arctic in tundra biomes. You know? Hmm. So. Interesting. So yellow mice, huh? Yellow mice. Wow. You know, this is the kind of stuff that you think of like whenever in, you know, you think of like... Fire and brimstone type stuff. In June right. 1642, lumps of burning sulfur the size of a man's fist fell from the sky onto the roof of Loberg Castle, 18 miles from um, Magdeburg, Germany. Mm. This is kind of interesting, and we're going to talk about this stuff later, but in 1652, a luminous meteor was seen to fall in Italy, and near its landing place, quote-unquote, star jelly was found. Yeah, I, I
1: can't wait until we get into this because it's
0: it's fascinating. Yeah, and I kind of want to just right now just kind of talk about a lot of these just to show and illustrate just how random and, and strange all this stuff is. So in 1665 in Nuremberg, Germany, a fibrous substance resembling blue silk fell mm-hmm. in great quantities. You know, just yeah. like I talked about in the top, you know, it's it is kind of common for there to be like showers of like, fish and toads. And the one mm-hmm. I specifically talked about was in Yoro, Honduras, that I think the first account was, you know, sometime in the 1800s, um, every year, May or June, like a storm rolls through, there's a heavy rain, and fish are just like flopping and flapping around on the ground, still alive. Man,
1: that's bizarre.
0: In the 1970s, a National Geographic team actually went out to the area, having heard about it, you know, witnessed it, you know, making it kind of one of the few sort of credible sightings of such a phenomenon like this, you know, they did kind of, I guess, say in their findings that, you know, they didn't have any proof that the fish were indeed coming from the sky, mm-hmm. but any other kind of source sort of remained elusive. So needless so to they say... So did, they didn't see them falling. They just no, saw they them. didn't see them falling from the sky. There's like a hardcore storm... When the storm like kind of dissipates and and calms down and sort of mm-hmm. fades away, so to speak, there's like thousands of of these fish. And I mean, I've seen there's some YouTube videos and stuff where you see like people just kind of like not sweeping the streets, but kind of like push <laughs> push brooming these dang yeah fish off of the roads. There's so many, and I mean, just this like animal rain, quote unquote animal rain is sort of this weather phenomenon that has been reported around the world for as we we kind of. I've said already, but we'll come to know, like, for centuries, man. So bizarre. But it, it's also just, like, weird stuff. So, like, and not central. Like, to me, the the second that I kind of hear that, right, I'm thinking, oh, okay, well, a tropical area potentially, that's what comes to my mind just out of the gate. Some of the storms, just as an example, when when I was a kid living in Indonesia, they're just mind-blowing storms, right? And so it's feasible to me that maybe if you, especially if you live close enough to the coast that there would be enough sort of whatever, you know, we'll talk about some of the theories later. You you mean like like
1: with water spouts and stuff?
0: That and just like, you know, man, humongous waves and stuff, just pushing all that stuff up. I mean, dude, even when we were in uh, Michigan, Mm -hmm. there were thousands of the first couple of days, there was just, I'd say thousands, but I think thousands of these little bitty fish washed up on the shore we had to find out later that basically they they were just overpopulated and the those fish during their mating season, if mm-hmm. there's too many of them, I don't I don't remember exactly what happens or or why, but essentially it's just part of their like life cycle. You know, yeah, the yeah. dudes what? kind of die off after they uh, after they mate. Which if you're if there's if you're gonna go, <laughs> that's that's the way you're gonna say something. You were gonna say something.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, I was gonna say like but i i feel like that's a a much sort of common occurrence sort of like uh like the red tide mm. you'll hear of or it's sort of what you're talking about where it's like you know a lot of times there'll be like sort of uh, like cyanobacteria and stuff will will have like a big bloom mm. and algal maybe. blooms al, yeah al, yeah and uh you know it'll become toxic to like fish and so you'll start seeing all these you know fish in a certain area wash up on the shore or like uh, jellyfish in particular I've been down at the beach uh, down in Destin where, you know, for whatever reason, whatever weird like biological sort of seasonal thing was happening, but like you just see like all these like dead jellyfish on the shore Mm -hmm. and that stuff just happens, you know? Yeah. But falling out of the sky. Or at least just like being, falling out of the sky is certainly different,
0: Mm -hmm. Uh, but at least kind of like being there in a place where you're not really. Oh, right. I'll give you an example. Like, or, or, some, or a place that you wouldn't think of as coastal. So in a small village in uh, Norfolk, England, small toads fell from the sky in mm. such vast numbers that the locals were greatly sort of just, like, inconvenienced, you know? I mean, it was reported that the villagers in 1683 had to sweep them up by the bucket full mm. so that they would, you know, burn them. Uh, I guess mm. they were kind of freaked out and just were like, I don't know, we better just burn these things.
1: Uh, also to note, these aren't in order we're just kind of like throwing out. Yeah, throwing them all out. These aren't,
0: I mean, they're a little bit in chronological order, but not not so much. Here's yeah. another interesting one, dude. Seeds of ivy berries were found inside hailstones
1: that fell in England in 1687. See, that's fascinating to mm-hmm. me. I mean, it, it's, it, it feels more sort of explainable, more sort of, mm-hmm. but then at the same time, it's like, well, how would that happen? Because those I hailstones mean, if, form... Way, 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 way up. The only thing I can think of is maybe, and I haven't,
0: you know, looked at the, uh, I guess what the ivy berry seed looks like. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. it's one of those kind of seeds that in order to, you know, spread, Spread, because that's the point of seeds, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe they float in air, you know? And maybe there's a storm strong enough to pull those seeds up into the atmosphere mm -hmm. really high
1: and then freeze and then come back down. Yeah, but your ice would be forming like... Like way up, yeah. I don't know, know, man. Like thousands of feet up. Whereas those seeds, I just I can't imagine. I mean, and as you'll see, and as as you'll see, Tyler,
0: but also listener, as you'll see, it become like the simple, the simplest explanation of it. Just you know, of just the biological sort of this -hmm. is how it happens. Starts to become harder and harder. Yes. Or I'll I'll say it, it becomes equally difficult to. Rationalize. Right, right. In 1696, a foul-smelling substance, the consistency of butter, in the wintertime and in the spring, fell over large areas of southern Ireland. They called it stinking dew, which fell in lumps often as big as the end of one's finger. It was soft, clammy, and of a dark yellow color. See, that feels like star jelly. Mm-hmm listen to this the cattle in the fields where it fell continued to feed as usual according to mr robert vans of kilkenny the local people believed the butter was a useful medicine and collected it in pots and pans Hmm. this one's kind of cool and it kind of leans toward like a possible explanation of all this stuff there was this german naturalist naturalist alexander von humboldt who traveled widely in south america and in the andes he believed that fish were being ejected during volcanic eruptions. What? Yeah, so there were these earthquakes which preceded every interruption in the chain of the Andes, and they would shake like, I mean, just incredible force. And he says, Mm -hmm. the entire mass of the volcano, the subterranean vaults are opened and emit at the same time water, fishes, and tufa mud. Mm -hmm. He says, this is the singular phenomenon that furnishes the fish, which the inhabitants of the highlands of Kido call piñadilla. Which I mean that
1: that feels kind of that feels plausible, mm-hmm. but like I, I guess my question would be, well, how far away well, would they have been yeah, found? So, you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah. So when the summit of the mountain and forgive my pronunciation here, carguaraza carguarazzo. Perfect. Carguar. It's Caracar. Gazo. Nailed it. Anyways, when the summit of this mountain to the north of Chimborazo, it propelled, I guess, this, like, water and mud and everything, 18,000 feet high. Mm. It fell, and in the night between the 19th and 20th of June, 1698, the surrounding fields, to the extent of about 43 English square miles, he says, were
1: covered with mud and fishes. You know, I... I was about to debunk this and say, oh, that's just too far. But I remembered a little fact that I learned uh, when I was at Yellowstone where, you know, we talked about underneath Yellowstone, there lives a super volcano. Mm-hmm. And the last time it erupted, which was like, you know, over 10 million years or something like that, it is said that it was so big, such a massive blast that it actually sent ash and debris all the way up into like midway up canada yeah so like it's possible yeah there are there like
0: um i do remember too not talking about yellowstone but whenever i was a kid kind of reading about volcanic eruptions and stuff and whenever i again lived overseas Mm -hmm. we lived in the ring of fire and you know krakatawa was a volcano that um had erupted at some point and Mm -hmm. was still active and there was you know of course, a bunch of active volcanoes pretty Mm -hmm. close to Jakarta where we lived. And so being like the worrisome kid I was, I was like, I am going to read all about it. Well, anything that I read at the time, it's like, dude, it can spew so much ash and stuff into the atmosphere that it will affect weather patterns. I mean, just all kinds of crazy stuff, dude. Lightning and stuff will happen in those, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, it's just wild, dude. It is just wild. Yeah, that's cool. Now, you can't talk about crazy stuff falling out of the sky without talking about angel hair. Oh, I love it. Now, I remember the first time you ever told me, like, I remember one time, and I don't remember where we were, but you were like, man, you ever heard of angel hair? And I'm like, immediately, I'm like, you mean the pasta? That's what I thought. I was of like, course. yeah, dude, I mean, it's okay, but I just prefer regular sort of spaghetti, but, you know, angel hair's cool too. And you're like, mm-hmm. no, dude. And you started telling me about it, and I'm like, hmm. So,
1: yeah, let me get into this. Uh, angel hair is basically like a, a sticky sort of filament like fibrous substance that is typically in connection with y- UFO reports, and maybe even more interestingly enough, sightings like religious sort of phenomena. So, like manifestations of the Virgin Mary, or like, for example, the miracle of Fatima, which was on September 13th and October 13th, 1917, along with the celestial phenomena over Nuremberg, which happened in 1561. It's like all these, you know, obviously there's all these people sort of showing up to see these, these miraculous events happen. And associated with it, with those event, events are, you know, this filament substance sort of falling out of the sky, which is called angel hair. The, the other thing about angel hair, uh, much like some of the other things that we'll get into, aerial sort of phenomena is it typically always disintegrates or evaporates within a very, very short period of time, mm. which means, you know, people are like, oh, I, I, I got a whole bunch of them and, like, put them in my bag, and then when I got home, they were completely gone. Or I mm. put them in an airtight jar, and they were gone by the time, you know, we even left the site. Mm. And one of the things that, that I did discover is apparently angel hair is really, it's like a big aspect of this UFO religion, called Raelism. Have you heard about this? mm I know this is a little off topic, but it's kind of fascinating. I've never heard of this, but what's funny is as I go along, you're going to be like, oh, wait a minute. This sounds like some of the stuff that we talk about. So this UFO religion was founded in France in the 70s by a man named Claude Verilhan, who is now known as Rael. Basically, the theory is that he he is one of these sort of uh, much like the prophets. So they sort of lump in like Jesus, uh, Muhammad, Buddha. You know, they they say that all of these people are like these prophets that are all descended from like the Elohim. And it gets big into that. And it gets into like, you know, it gets into like this, like all these prophets, like like him and he would be like the last one. And so it's like this whole deal where they, they sort of strive for, for, like, physical immortality through, like, cloning. And then it gets a little weird. But angel hair is, like, a big deal with that. And the reason why, uh, and this is another theory among a lot of ufologists, which I've never heard of this, but this actually kind of adds up. It's this theory that basically the angel hair is created from ionized air, which is, like, sort of sleeting off of an electromagnetic field that surrounds a UFO. So Mm. if you, you know... Listen to, if you're into, like, Bob Lazar and a lot of those guys, they believe that, that uh, the UFOs are sort of – their their means of propulsion is that it sort of creates an electromagnetic field or sort of gravitic field, which kind of, like, it uses, like, the gravity on itself to sort of, you know, move, which would mean that, like, there's – there would be no, like, sort of exhaust – I mean, as far as, like, propulsion, like a jet, mm-hmm. you know, flume or whatever – you know, it kind and it kind of follows along with this sort of this universal property of energy use, where it's like there has to be some sort of waste mm-hmm. uh, as a byproduct of like propulsion or or travel yeah. or, or whatever. So it's like that, I think that's pretty interesting. It's it kind of this cool. idea that it's this sort of you know ionized air or whatever, it's kind of coming some off sort of, of byproduct of, yeah. of that yeah. yeah right. Kind of yeah. like you know if you make a fire, it creates coal and soot and it's like you have energy and then you have like the sort of byproduct of that
0: yeah and like
1: we'll we'll definitely put up some photos
0: and stuff of angel Mm -hmm. hair because like the thing is again like for the most part like you said like a lot of um folks and stuff will kind of just either liken it to spider webs or even explain it saying that it is spider webs and stuff one of the things i think uh, again to your point that kind of differentiates it from being just a spider web uh which by the way dude <laughs> lately in the mornings uh woodrow and i have been going out and, and running uh before school not again coming back huh are that your spiders coming back no we we sprayed the house okay. for that but no but they are in the neighborhood i, I never noticed this before but a lot of times we'll run into these spider webs that are coming from the tree basically to Ooh the the road or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just funny that like we're talking about this now. And it's like this morning we were running and I was telling him about what we were going to talk about. And I'm like, I don't know, maybe this is angel hair. And he's like, Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I don't know what that is. So then I explained it to him. But it is very different. And and keep in mind that one of the biggest sort of things, again, that differentiates it from a typical spider web is like you said, where the disappearance of these strands. Yeah. You know, the the mm-hmm. fact that you know like you mentioned people will kind of observe and, and report that they just kind of dissolve. Mm-hmm. And so there are I mean it, it is pretty fascinating the the things that spiders can do. I mean honestly like they can oh, yeah. float extreme distances and stuff to and and create their webs and do all kinds of you know interesting stuff. But I think that difference in what it is that they're talking about is is very fascinating to me once I started to
1: dive into it, you know? Oh yeah. Well, and it's kind of like those tree. I feel like this was in, was it in Texas? It's like a specific kind of spider and you'll see these trees that are just like from top to bottom, just covered in spider webs. I mean, it's pretty terrifying.
0: Yeah. Really. Yeah. There's a species of spider too that we get here in the fall. Not the Juro spiders. They're an invasive species that surrounded my house and only my house for some reason. Guys. I mean, dude, it was like, (laughs) I mean, literally, like, our bug guy, like, our exterminator came in. He started just, like, taking pictures. He's like, dude, I've never seen. This is amazing. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I Um, mean, I think you're I mean, the local paper
0: got involved. It it was, you know. It's crazy, dude. I think it's because, like, we faced, our our front door faces east. Mm -hmm. Our back door faces west. So, like, literally, we see the sunrise. Window area. Get a chance to, like, see the sunset every night kind of through the trees in the woods right. but for whatever reason man like our house was just covered in these things like yeah. thousands of these spiders but anyhow there's another species of spider that you'll see especially around this time of year going into October our our favorite time of year mm-hmm. and you'll you'll notice like a almost like a I don't know like a little not globe, but like a, uh, like a, almost like a cotton candy version of a spiderweb on mm-hmm. and in the trees. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's just oh, like yeah. like, wrap, 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 wrap. Yep. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I just think the important thing here is like, yes, sometimes, just like in anything, some of the things that people experience probably could be and are spiderwebs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then this specific stuff known as angel hair.
1: It's just very, very weird, yeah. man. Well and, and sort of, you know, like you said, there is there there will always be. And really in all this stuff. I mean, you know, once we get into sort of the star jelly stuff, it's like, yeah, obviously there there could be some overlap with like like frog spawn and that kind of stuff, but it's like my favorite account of like the angel hair, and it's I guess it's technically considered the most widely reported incident. Mm. Um it, this happened in Oloron, France in nineteen fifty two. When they claimed that great flakes were falling from the sky, which was completely cloudless, a man by the name of Gennaro Lus- Lucietti and Pietro Lastrucci reported standing on the balcony of a hotel in St Mark's Square in Venice. And check this out: goes back to the UFO theory, and seeing two shining spindles flying across the sky, leaving a trail of the angel hair. What? That's amazing, dude! Mm. No clouds. No water spouts, nothing like that. And they see two spindles, which are like, or shining spindles. Hmm. That's, that's, that's a UFO, bro.
0: Hmm. Man, I can't wait to get into some of the theories that explains, to explain some of these things. Now, before we hop into more modern stuff, I got to read this one, dude. This is crazy.
1: After these
0: messages, we'll be right back. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions It was very intense, broad For over 200 years, there have been reports of
1: giant man-like creatures
0: From another dimension, another world, I don't
1: know The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club And you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad Because that is rad
0: All right, listen to this, man. In May fifth, on May fifth, seventeen eighty-six, it was the last day of a drought that had lasted all the way since the previous November. Okay, this is in <laughs> Haiti. A great, a, quote unquote, a great quantity of black eggs fell on Port Port-au-Prince. Mm-hmm. They hatched the next day, and some of these quote strange animals from the sky were preserved in a flask of water reportedly the creatures shed their skin several times and kind of resembled tadpoles yeah yeah that's bizarre
1: i mean the one thing that that those kind of events kind of remind me of well but again that's in like haiti yeah that's bizarre listen to this one dude
0: real quick okay mm -hmm. because now we're in america and it's 1819 mm -hmm. a foul smelling object covered with a cloth-like nap napkin fell in Amherst, Massachusetts. Hmm. Uh, This guy, Professor Rufus Graves, made it up, who removed the nap and discovered... I mean, this is straight from like an old 1800s annual, so he removed the nap and discovered Mm -hmm. a buff-colored, pulpy substance beneath it. On exposure to the air, this substance became a livid color resembling venous blood. The object was said to have fallen with a bright,
1: brilliant light. Yeah, that's that's interesting. To me, there's, there's an element of that. I don't know. I mean, I feel like you're probably going to get here. Uh, but I guess, like, you know, now that we are talking about America, there's this thing known as the Kentucky Meat Shower or the Kentucky Meat Rain. Have you heard of this, Woody? Mm, um, it's kind of one of the more kind of famous ones, but uh, this happened between 11 and 12 p.m. on March 3rd, 1876, uh, where what appeared to be chunks of red meat measuring approximately two by two inches, with at least one being four by four inches, fell from the sky in 100 by 50 foot yard area near Olympia Springs in Bath County, Kentucky. There was a bunch of sort of explanations, I guess, like the big quote unquote scientist of the day, which sounds a whole lot like thunderbird story mm-hmm. that they these quote unquote scientists would come out take the evidence and then leave this ridiculous sort of explanation in saying that oh well it was and th- and again this is what's funny about this is this is something that this is still an explanation that gets thrown out there when you know we're discussing angel hair or star jelly or these weird sort of anomalous you know occasions But they say, oh, well, it's just a, this is just a byproduct of uh, vultures flying really high and they get startled and they all at the same time regurgitate all their meat. But the weird thing about this is, and this is the thing that doesn't quite make as much sense, is that when they sort of broke it down and started like really looking at the evidence of like, you know, the meat and like, well, what kind of meat was it? Mm -hmm. It was never able to be really agreed upon what it was, because some people claimed that it was beef, others lamb, deer, bear, horse, and even possible human meat. Sheesh. So if you listen to our Nope episode, mm, it dude. feels a whole lot like that. I'll tell you what
0: else feels like that. <laughs> in 1940, <laughs> numerous silver coins fell in the Mesher- <laughs> me, that <laughs> fell in this region of central Russia during a storm. Of August
1: 1940. Wow, huh? Mm-hmm. Sounds That's familiar, right. right? It really does. It kind of it, it, as weird as this sounds. I mean, kind of like the the guy that you were talking about the uh, the big thing that was sort of covered in a napkin. I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Open it up; it's all sort of veiny and bloody and and gross. But he said he saw. You know, it came from like a a light. I guess in this guy. Mm-hmm. There is an element of this that feels like. And it's far-fetched and it's science fiction-y, but it feels like like portals opening up. Yeah, yeah but dude, hold
0: on, hold on. Write that down. Wait, mm-hmm. because I don't want to talk about our theories yet. Okay, okay. Because yeah, I think that's a, or I say theories, we'll just say possible explanations. Right, right, right. Let me take you to 1950. Mm. Two police officers, mm-hmm. Officer John Collins and Joe Keenan, were cruising the streets of Philadelphia. There you go. There we are. In their patrol car on the night of September 26th, 1950 as they made their way down a quiet street near vere avenue and 26th street their headlights picked up a strange shimmering object that seemed to be coming to earth in an open field about a half a block ahead of them mm. when they went to go investigate their flashlights revealed a domed disc of quivering purple jelly yeah six feet in diameter one mm. foot thick near the center and an inch or two at the edge they had this like overwhelming feeling that this was something that was alive they turned off their flashlights and saw it glow with a faint purple light Hmm. then they radioed for help they were soon joined by sergeant joe cook and patrolman james cooper too many names Hmm. sergeant cook suggested that they try to pick this pick this thing up but when officer collins tried to do this it fell apart in his hands like gelatin. Yeah. Gelatin. (laughs) Gelatin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, The fragments that stuck to his hands, though, soon evaporated, leaving behind only a sticky, odorless scum. Yeah. Within half an hour after Cook and Cooper arrived on the scene, the whole thing had evaporated. That's fascinating. It was, like, quivering. They thought it was alive, yeah. It was, like, kind of,
1: yeah, quivering purple jelly. Yeah. Uh, And and so that would go on to... Uh, This is sort of an interesting tidbit. That would go on to basically inspire uh, the writing of the movie The Blob Mm. uh, way back in the day, which the film studio that made The Blob, which, by the way, that was like a big deal, you know, back in the 50s. Mm -hmm. Apparently, a writer in 1953 by the name of Joseph Payne Brennan wrote a short story in Weird Tales magazine called Slime, which sounds a lot like Blob. And so he sued the film company over Mm. that uh but but the whole deal was like both of those events were said to be inspired by this sort of uh oh this this sort of organic blob of or slime fell to the earth and it was like quivering and glowing and that's so cool man yeah dude and i mean this is a perfect time for me to talk about sort of the rot
0: of the stars some Mm -hmm. people call it or star jelly so star jelly is one of the many names given to this gelatinous substance that's supposedly found at the place where a falling star has landed. Mm -hmm. Other old names for the same thing are star sloth, star shot, Mm -hmm. and in Welsh, not going to try it. It just translates to the rot of the stars. Yeah, yeah. Since star jelly is usually said to evaporate before a thorough analysis can be made of, you know, like basically... Since star jelly is usually kind of said to evaporate before somebody can test it and analyze it, attempts to identify the substance have sort of just been, you know, conjectural and conclusions kind of vary. What they all have in common, though, man, is that whatever it is, it has no true connection with, quote-unquote, stars.
1: Right. Well, but the... It's typically found following a meteor shower Mm -hmm. or sightings of, like, falling stars in the area, which is pretty fascinating.
0: I mean, one of the kind of common explanations for this
1: is that it is um, potentially
0: like a plasmodium, which Mm -hmm. is a general name for gelatinous slime molds and certain kinds of fungi, Mm -hmm. Um, which, when you start studying that stuff, man, there's some very strange known creatures and and uh, fungi and and all kinds of st- microscopic organisms mm-hmm. that exist I mean you and I will text each other like these weird cool oh yeah you know creatures and stuff uh, that exist and in, in in
1: sort of uh, recognized biology I guess well the weird thing is is it's not typically it, it's not associated with a fungus or a type of bacteria and the only the interesting thing is anytime there has been a sample, you know, taken mm-hmm. and there was uh, any sort of bacteria found. It was it was kind of known to be, I guess the bacteria w- sort of began sort of growing on it after. It, it wasn't like, it wasn't associated with the actual mm. slime yeah. or star I think what, what some of these
0: folks have said in this book or like as explanations of what they might be, are like the two uh, the two main contenders, they said, are, are basically like the nostoc and plasmodium. Nostoc is the blue-green algae that grows in, in bead-like strings with a gelatinous mass on soil mm. uh, or sometimes floating in water. And colonies can be microscopic or as large as walnuts. Mm. And then the same thing, plasmodium is just like the congregations of, of slime molds or certain kinds of uh, fungi. Again, interesting, not going to go into what necessarily our theories are, but I think, again, just like I said with angel here, hey, a large amount of what people witness and find
1: could be mm-hmm. that for sure, but there's other weird stuff. Yeah, I love the idea <laughs> that it's like there's something that just feels very, like, sort of dark and mysterious, uh, and it kind of feels sort of cosmic horror, H.P. Lovecraft, when you hear terms like rot of the stars and, like, it feels a little like spelljammer. Um yeah, for sure. You know, it's this like this idea that like whatever's happening, it's like these these like little you know, this slime and stuff is like associated with like you know, well, we'll get into the theories later, but it's just I I've, and I think it's cool, you know, you you went into a lot of the the terms. Some people believe that it's associated with ectoplasm, even pixie dust. A lot of the I forgot to mention this, but this it's one of my well, two of my favorite sort of titles for the angel hair anomaly is it's also often called in Italian Madonna's Present yeah. uh, or The Gift from Above. Oh, it's it. really, really, really cool. Because, you know, again, uh, angel hair is associated with seeing UFOs or light phenomena or religious miracles. Mm-hmm. And then star jelly is associated with, you know, uh, falling stars and meteor showers. So it's like something something is happening, I believe. I mean, Uh, You know, and the fact that, that, and they both carry the same, the same trait as like, whereas I think angel hair evaporates or dissolves or disappears Mm -hmm. quicker. But, you know, again, star jelly, they, they capture it. They take big like lumps of it or whatever, take it to the lab. And like almost always before the, the testing can be sort of complete, the thing's completely evaporated without like a single trace. So weird. Which is really, really interesting. One of the things that I thought of that I didn't find this anywhere, you know, and it's just something that we've sort of talked about with like, if you look at, you know, if you're looking at the world through sort of a Jacques Vallée kind of lens, and it's like, oh, well, there's all these, like, these uh, sort of paranormal or like the other, as Timothy Renner calls it, like, whatever all this stuff is, you know, it's like, there's, there's still this weird, like, sort of universal protocol where we're never made to like figure it out it's the reason mm-hmm. that th- nobody can find the original copy of uh, the Patterson Gimlin film it's a re it's the reason that the Roswell crash even though everybody and their and their brother like saw it or they were a soldier at the time or they they uh, like Jesse Marcel like had a piece of the memory metal with him it's like it just disappeared off the map Because the military got it. It's like uh, the Murray Island incident, which is another fascinating one that we're going to go over uh, that happened on my birthday, June 21st, 1947, where they see a UFO in the sky and slag falls out. Like some sort of molten slag, Mm. which ended up killing their dog on the boat in the middle of a lake. And so it's just this, oh, and so what I was saying about the Murray Island incident is, it was the same week that the Air Force became its own entity. Two pilots came to retrieve the slag, reti- retrieve the material that was that was found, which happens every time. Mm-hmm. Men in black. And what's weird about this is the plane as they were heading back east with the material, their plane went down. What? They were never found. The <clears throat> slag was never found. Whoa. There you go. It's like this it's it's just, it's like part of like, however we're created, whether it's like a simulation whether whatever, it's like just this idea that like, we'll never, we'll never get the answer. We're never meant to see the answer. Like we'll never figure out or wrap our like sort of scientific arms around this thing because we're never meant to, you know, it's like, it's always just out of our reach, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I just, I, I know it's like trivial, but I think it's something that's really interesting and and it just, it continues to sort of, you know, go right along with that, with that theory. For sure. And I mean, kind of like we talked about in the beginning, aside
0: from the fish and the frogs and the snakes and the blood rain and all this, there's Mm -hmm. also things like, you know, they talk about in the Bible, like manna and they talk about like all these things, even in like, um, like old folklore, like where these miraculous things would happen that people would eat. I mean, some of these descriptions, and, and guys, I could go on forever with, like, these little accounts throughout history where people find these, like, buttery substances or right. the village collects this stuff and then, you know, thinks it's magical and and uses it as, as a medicine and or they just eat it. And it's mm. like, this is one of those times, again, where I'm like, um... Yeah. I, you know, I'm not going to try some weird yellow <laughs>
1: jelly. Yeah, but if you lived back then yeah, though. Yeah, no, you didn't if, really have a
0: whole lot of whole lot yeah, of Yeah, didn't have a whole foods.
1: Right, exactly. Uh and I'm glad you brought up uh the manna thing because I looked into that and I've always been sort of fascinated with this, but it it was said that uh you know, it's in the book of Exodus as the Israelites are are making their, you know, Exodus, if you will, out of Egypt. They ran out of their food supply, and then it was found one morning after the dew had evaporated. Upon the face of the wilderness there lay a small round thing, as small as a hoarfrost, on the ground. And so it's just like...
0: like What kind of, what kind of fr- frost?
1: <laughs> H-O-A-R. Okay. Hur, hur frost. Here. Here. But what I think that's the- interesting. There's something about, like, it, it after the dew evaporated, it, it kind of like... I don't know, there's something about that, that that sort of reminds me or makes it sort of lend itself to like like a jelly or gelatinous kind of dewy hmm. thing left on the ground, you know, and that's what, yeah. that's what sustained them while they were. And it's interesting, you know, like it's like, you know,
0: at the time God promised Moses to rain bread from heaven to feed mm-hmm. the people. And it's just like, man, I, I don't know. It's yeah. just... Uh, Very interesting, man. So throughout time, there have been all of these things, different things, whether it's a questionably edible substance or angel hair to sometimes even like hay, like almost like bales of hay billowing Mm. through the air, material, you know, like we talked about one that was like almost like purple silk, Mm -hmm. these strange glowing, pulsating jelly, gelatinous things, you know, again... But, but that was after a UFO, right? Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. Uh, or after like um, potentially like a uh, falling star, asteroid, maybe a UFO. There, there's The accounts vary. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the one thing they just have in common mostly is that once they get the jelly, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it kind of disappears. It's, it's slippery. It's very yeah. mercurial. So I think we need to start getting into some of the different possible explanations. I kind of like in my notes sort of I guess subdivided the categories of theories I guess. Mm -hmm. First it's Mm -hmm. again all on the same level of strange. One extraterrestrial meaning this is stuff coming from like another planet. Mm -hmm. Two supernatural so maybe it is some sort of like Like poltergeist type, yes. Like throwing, I don't know, buckets of rocks, or whatever. Maybe a some sort of time warp scenario, Mm -hmm. and in that, I would include also like Like portals, portals, dimension kind of things. And then there's this sort of natural explanations, which are actually pretty limited. To, I mean, I can talk about those first, actually. So we can just knock that out of the, out of the. contender here. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I say that kind of joking a little bit because I'll, just like we talked about with the volcanoes, I think there are some natural phenomenon that can happen that would potentially cause some weird stuff to follow suit. Like a lot of the time, whenever you look any of this stuff up, most specifically things falling from the sky, like animals and uh, frogs and mm-hmm. snakes and birds and whatever fish, usually you'll find it's either like water spouts Mm-hmm. or whirlwinds, yeah. extreme weather conditions, right? Mm-hmm. And so for those of you that don't know what a water spout is, a water spout is like a small tornado that forms over a body of water. Every now and then you can see, well, especially now with like YouTube and stuff, you can see videos of what a water spout looks like. They look pretty crazy, really. Yeah, I, I've been out pretty close to one. They're pretty scary, man. Yeah. What's interesting, though... <clears throat> it's like a and, tornado and a, on the water. Yeah, it looks like a tornado on the water. Where, where it kind of is different is that water spouts actually don't suck up water into the air. The spout itself is actually just condensation. And mm. so for that to be the explanation, it's like, mm, that doesn't work. So shh, that one's gone. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about whirlwinds and tornadoes. Yeah, they could have the ability for sure, especially a tornado, to lift a small animal uh, from the water even into the air. And they could be carried quite far. You know, and gosh, tornadoes can, you know, level houses and they can throw cars a very very far place right and Mm -hmm. some tornadoes actually have been reported to be capable of sucking up all of the water in a small pond Mm. so okay that one coupled with the volcanic eruption makes sense for those Mm -hmm. areas but i mean what about the raining of blood and flesh and silver coins, and black eggs, and yeah, uh, yellow
1: jelly, and all yellow. That. Uh, what was it? Yellow mice. Yellow mice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's funny is, and I thought of this earlier, is there's something about the water spout theory that it kind of takes, it kind of reminds me of that like old urban legend where you know there's a forest fire and then they find in one of the charred trees a dead scuba diver. Did you ever hear about that as a kid? What is it now? Uh, there was like a forest fire and they found a, a scuba diver that was dead like way up in the, in one of the trees. Oh, no. Uh-uh. So we used to think it was true. It was like a sort of an 80s urban legend that would that went around and, you know, so-and-so's uncle was on the fire department or, or whatever. And it's this idea that like... I guess while they were in like such a big rush uh, they would they sent out all these helicopters that would drop into like a local lake and pick up their big buckets of water and then take off you know and the urban legend is is it went down and it picked up a scuba diver who was looking for wreckage or or gold or whatever in a local lake and literally ended up dropping him into a you know forest fire, hmm. which is kind of crazy but but there's something about that 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 feels a little more like the water spout theory like i do feel yeah, like they were was, able to identify this dude It's it wasn't true it's a tall oh, okay, urban okay. legend but but well the 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 urban legend was that they they were able to identify him and and Turns then they out found out jimbo from yeah it was you know, you know okay. so-and-so's uncle or whatever but it's that idea that like you know things are like with natural weather phenomenon like things are sucked up into the clouds sometimes and, and And like, and not just with like water spouts, but just the way like sort of like condensation and, you know, there's, there are like sort of meteorological things that can explain, you know, like frog spawn or things like that. But it's like, once you start getting into like only coins falling or, you know, meat that could have been a mix mixture of, uh, you know, horse, human, cow, pig, goat deer meat yeah. it's like these are the things that are just sort of like all right you're not gonna like <laughs> I, I don't care how scientific uh, you say you are you're not gonna be able to explain that to me without, <laughs> without having a better ex- explanation you know yeah yeah that is difficult man i mean
0: yeah i don't know and maybe it's like unfair for us all as non-scientists to kind of lump all of these together in the same sort of like quote-unquote skyfall category mm, mm-hmm. but you know i mean the, the thing is so many of these things again if you take away like let's sort of take out the animals and stuff like that quote-unquote falling from the sky but all mm-hmm. the weird stuff right that's coming from the sky man it, it just like you said man it's real hard to explain it as oh man it's just a tornado yeah exactly because yeah. hey we live in an area uh, where there's a fair amount of tornadoes mm-hmm. and not a whole lot of um, reports of, I mean, you know, that would be, that would make the news. Right.
1: You know? You know, I think it's weird because once we started doing this, I remember my cousin Colt and I, we used to play, you know, in these pastures that we had, like our sort of my extended family. Uh, we all sort of lived on the same road. We had a bunch of land because they were, you know, farmers and and had a bunch of horses and cows and stuff. And so we used to play in like all these pastures and I I like vaguely remember for some reason, I feel like it was in the middle of winter, but I I feel like we came across something like this, like a clear sort of like gelatin, like, you know, sort of pile, like in the middle of the pasture. And of course at the time, like I didn't know anything, I, I wouldn't have known about, you know, star jelly or anything like that, but I feel like I do remember that as a kid, but you know. Yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Like, if we would have known, like, it was just sort of like, oh, that's gross, and then you moved on. But I think the important thing is this: whether we're talking about you know star jelly or or even with angel hair, here's a couple things about it. There's no cellular structure. It's not a fungus. It's not a bacteria. It's been mentioned in literature since way back, since the Middle Ages, basically. Mm -hmm. all over the world it's not particularly tied to any weather pattern it's found in cities forests countrysides wherever it's been tested in labs for years and years with no definitive conclusion and melts or dissolves you know before the tests are completed but there is the one common factor that these cases almost always have and they always you know well I say always, but most of these accounts, they're always found following a meteor shower or sightings of falling stars. And so there has to be something about this that's coming from above. Mm. Well, both of those can kind of be
0: explained by either extraterrestrial hypothesis Mm -hmm. or the supernatural theory, like gods, demons, spirits, and Mm -hmm. unnamed entities sort of being responsible for these. But... We will return after these messages.
1: is tyler and you're listening to that would be rad and now back to our show
0: you know let me talk a little bit about sort of my newest favorite type thing which is the the kind of time warp or other dimensional or parallel kind of dimension type Mm. things here okay so here's what i want you to think about if things can kind of let's say that like for whatever reason, those parallel existences
1: mm-hmm.
0: can like intersect if they do. And we're kind of, for whatever reason, whether it's the thinning of a veil, certain time of year, I, I'm not sure why, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, things are coming from that reality into mm-hmm. ours. Okay. And it's just strange things, right? Then you could kind of theorize that simultaneously they're disappearing from there. So almost like a reverse Skyfall, right. right? Right. Well, I started looking and it's like, well, I mean, does that kind of stuff happen? Well, check this out. So I read this account that was written about in the Times of London. I think it was printed July 5th of 1842, but it came from a Scottish newspaper where they described late in the afternoon this girl who was essentially washing clothes outside. That was her job. Okay. Mm-hmm. It was a perfectly clear sky. Calm air, nothing crazy. She is washing these clothes in this tub outside, and she heard this loud and sharp sort of boom overhead. After that, just directly after that, followed by a gust of wind that was only for like a few moments. When she looked around, all of the clothes, sheets, and everything else that she had kind of pinned on on the clothesline Mm -hmm. were kind of like laying across this like long stretch of this field that just got blown off and just were like in a perfect line and then several hundred yards further another portion of the clothing um, which was mostly like curtains and smaller clothing articles were carried up into the air at an immense height and completely disappeared altogether Mm -hmm. and at that moment of the report which was preceded by this wind, the cattle in the neighboring meadow were observed kind of running, completely scared, and were so kind of uh, terrified that they were like cowering. The cows kind of like came into like a little huddle group and were just like, you know, shaking and, and, and cowering together. Isn't
1: that crazy? Yeah, that's weird. I mean, to me, that feels like, and here's the, another episode that we're going to do, but it feels a little like, like some sort of like sky beast or mm-hmm. like some sort of organic Dude. you know animal that w- that maybe we can't see. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to what we talked about when
0: we talked about Jordan Peele and this movie Nope where right. certainly had to do some research and or has a previous knowledge of this kind of stuff because listen yeah. to this. 1880, July 10th. It's an issue of Scientific American, okay? Mm. It says, "Mr. David Muckle and Mr. W. R. McKay. Were, yeah, were in a field on a farm when all of a sudden again they heard a loud boom sounding what they described to be almost like a cannon. They turned just in time to see a cloud a cloud of stones flying upward from a spot in the field. Yeah. Surprised beyond measure, they examined the spot later, which was circular, and about 16 feet across, but there was no sign of an eruption, no sign of anything that would indicate the fall of a heavy body there or any other stones, simply just
1: swept clean in that area. Man. See, it's like, what's happening? Like, what's, what's, like, is something, like, sucking these things up? Is that a water spout? (laughs) You see when I... Yeah, the whole water spout thing only works, in my opinion, in very sort of specific cases. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that, like, to me,
0: I don't know, like I said, some things I think probably can be explained by simple scientific sort of, hey, this is what happened, blah, 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 blah. But it's like stuff like that. hmm You know, is it a case of somebody mistakenly seeing, like, how do you mistakenly see uh, stones floating straight up into the air? And then when you get to the spot where they came from, it's like perfectly clean ground. It's not like a pile of stones. In other words, oh, maybe my mind, you know, played tricks on me and it looked like they were falling. But they were really, I mean, looked like they were going up, but they were literally, but they were really falling. You know? Yeah. You know how your eyes can kind of play tricks on you? You know, you pass like a, or you look at like a propeller that's going and it looks like it's going backwards slow. You know what I'm saying? Mm Mm-hmm. So it's like, what is going on here, man?
1: Yeah, I don't know, man. I will, again, leaning into that sort of, you know, Trevor James Constable, Sky Beast idea. Uh, Apparently, like, he has some stories in his book, The Cosmic Pulse of Life, which, you know, we're going to get into. But there's this, like, account where I think there's, like, two pilots, and they end up seeing, like, this what appears to be, like, a wounded, what looks like a jellyfish, like, extremely high up. Hmm. And... The, it, they say that it, it looks like it's almost a little like a cloud, a little bit like a jellyfish, but it's definitely sort of organic. And this is this is back in like the, you know, I think maybe 50s, but I think like around 40s probably. And they they claim that like whatever this thing was, was like sort of wounded. And then you see like a bigger one coming down to sort of help the smaller one. But it says it looks like sort of like like blood or like, whatever it was like, however it was wounded, I don't know the details and and I promise I'll do better when we have the full episode. But they said that as like the quote unquote blood was coming out, it would, you know, it was sort of shooting out. And then within several or like, a, you know, maybe a hundred feet or whatever, they said that they, were, they would see it like dissolve. And so this idea oh. that this like star jelly, I mean, maybe these things are, uh, I mean, above us and space basically is like it's something like a hundred times the 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 length of like the deepest part of the ocean that we know of Mm -hmm. like the Marianas Trench and so it's like how do we know that there's not and I mean even whenever you know we're flying like at very very high altitudes and stuff I mean there's still a lot more as it goes up and so it's Mm -hmm. this idea that like well maybe there are these things and maybe they are able to you know, sort of just sort of fly on the wind and Mm. it's this bizarre thing, but it's this, I I do, I like the idea that like angel hair and star jelly sort of has that dissolving or disappearing nature. And especially with that account from Trevor James Constable where it's like they were seeing like whatever this matter was coming out of it was like just dissolving, you know? So, so maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's just like it's wounded animals coming out of the sky, but, again that doesn't explain you know fallen coins
0: yeah right
1: right that kind of stuff that's that's especially like especially at that weird. time in Russia too because it
0: wasn't like because more modern accounts that you'll find like i found one that like somewhere in florida i think it rained like frozen iguanas hmm. and another place it was like tons of gold over this like interstate those you know like the gold over the interstate was like a a plane that was carrying cargo so like more modern times it's like oh okay that kind of makes sense but you go back to the 1800s right no no no. you go back to the 1400s yeah where there's coins though I mean you know like stuff that doesn't really quite it it wouldn't be
1: um an airplane yeah dropped it well well and I'm glad you brought up the airplane thing because that that's actually like the biggest theory that I remember like the debunkers having Mm. when I was growing up as a kid you know like looking at those books and, like, Mysteries of the Unexplained and stuff like that, they they would always say, oh, well, the, you know, quote-unquote authorities came out or the scientists came out and said, oh, it was nothing more than, like, an airplane toilet, yeah, you know, shooting out its waste or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is, like, okay, well, if that's the case, then why did these, quote-unquote, authorities, like, why do they always take these things away? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? If yeah. it's just... It's kind of yeah. like I mean that's how they explained it away in
0: the beginning of Nope,
1: it's just the plane flew by and just oh you know, yeah you know right yeah, I, I totally forgot about that but yeah it's that was like a, a common thing which even that I think has been somewhat debunked yeah well like we said and, and that's why like I love when we dive into this stuff it's
0: you know it becomes more and more easy to explain away things, I think in the modern day, like, oh, that's fake footage, just really right. good, you know, computer graphics or, oh, you know, maybe it was just a plane, you know, that kind of stuff does happen mm-hmm. or, you know, um, people have seen weird stuff falling from the sky at night and it turns out like it was legitimately like a, an old satellite or something like that. Mm-hmm. so that kind of stuff is easier to explain away nowadays. But when you go back and you start reading like history, right? at times when people weren't just kind of like copycatting stories because they weren't getting them from the other side of the world mm-hmm. uh, necessarily, especially like in the 1600s and stuff, we're talking pre-Morse code and and teletype oh, yeah. and and ways for news organizations to share stories with one mm-hmm. another. And and maybe if it was just like one occurrence. In other words, if it was just in the Bible, mm-hmm. uh, and in that it really talks about, you know, stones and manna and maybe I guess mm-hmm. maybe some other stuff. But then, okay, but like all of these things over centuries and centuries across the entire
1: world, right? You know what I mean? Well, and that's that's what's I think is cool about. I, I like the idea that like in like poetry and and even back and you know, for example, uh, a guy by the name of Sir John Suckling. In 1641, wrote a poem which contained the following lines as he as he whose quicker eye doth trace a false star shot to a marked place. Doe's run a pace and thinking thinking it to catch a jelly up do I snatch. And so it's like, you know, c- continues on in 1656. You know, it's like they're talking about like, these falling stars and it's like uh, which well, are even found. Like, the- even that first line that you said, though, dude, like the uh, false star.
0: Moving so mm-hmm. to me, it's like if I'm thinking about well, what's he describing here? Well, sure, it could be a shooting star. Mm-hmm. Does he know what that is? He's you know, uh, or is it yeah. just some sort of
1: like light that's moving fast in mm-hmm. the sky, also known as UFO, mm-hmm. orb? Yeah, I know there's there's some connection too with you know once you you start looking into you know this kind of thing on like the British Isles, like you know very very old cases of you know, finding star jelly, you know, where someone would see like will of the wisps and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. And, you know, so it's like, is it also associated to like orbs? Is it a, like you talk, like you mentioned before with it being like, okay, well, maybe it's a, an extraterrestrial type thing, or maybe it's a more terrestrial sort of paranormal type thing. And, you know, there is the theory, which I don't know that I believe, but there is the theory that it's almost like like they're maybe like shapeshifters i know it's far fetched but it's the idea that that you always would find this stuff and i'm not talking about like meat showers and the coins and stuff but i'm talking about like the these like sort of isolated little accounts of like people finding star jelly where you know they they would they would find two little like puddles of this or like sort of masses of this on like a walking path hmm. or it would, it would not always, but it would a lot of the times be in like these sort of settings where it's like, oh, well, like somebody or something was like standing in the place of this. So it's like, again, is that the is that the byproduct of some sort of, you know, energy use, you know, mm-hmm. or and somebody's like, you know, popping into like a portal or are that is that like the way they, is that what they're able to shape shift into? Like maybe, maybe they saw the people coming up on them. They're on the, they're on the, the walking path, you know, boom, they're able to just turn into like a little, you know, pile of slime. And then, which I mean, I know it's a character. It's a character in Dungeons and Dragons that you can play now, thanks to Spelljammer.
0: And that's called a Plasmoid.
1: Oh man, that's cool. I, I wonder if it's like, is it like a, sort of like a gelatinous cube dude it's well it's it's like a uh
0: what you're just talking about it's like this gelatinous thing that you can kind of it can mm. sh- change its shape into anything including humanoid so that it can wear clothes and stuff but then it can just like oh. you know come down into like a little ball of yeah that's cool it's
1: really cool yeah I, I like that a lot yeah i i think there's maybe a couple things at play i think i think there's there's there has to be something happening on like sort of interdimensional level when it comes to, and I don't know if that's like a time-based thing, like Mm -hmm. sort of linear time or if it's like just jumping into like, you know, or sort of phasing into like our timeline or our dimension, if you will, uh, with like the coins and these just bizarre sort of random, Mm -hmm. like things falling like fish, falling out of the sky it's like did somehow one reality kind of merge with the other and it's like well maybe in that reality it was these dudes are just seeing fish flying from the lake just straight up into the air and they're like what well no not even that i'm saying like maybe like whatever portion of that reality maybe it was just like a you know 20 foot by 20 foot bubble or vortex in the bottom of the ocean Mm. and all of a sudden it merges into ours and then all those fish fall down i mean the one thing that I have not been able to find, and it's
0: a shame, too, with, with like, the coins. They didn't mention in that old, like, 1800s write-up that the coins looked any different than what they were used to. Right, Same with, like, the fish, you know, it's not like uh, on the streets of uh, Honduras, there's not, like, you know, hammerhead sharks or something that's uncharacteristic of the the place. So that makes me wonder, well, does that mean that, like, any time those moments where the realities are kind of either merged or there's, you know, that glitch or whatever it is. Does that mean it's close enough to our own reality that like, that's Mm. why it's somewhat familiar, but you know, like, I don't know. It's just wild.
1: Yeah. And there's, I know I keep bringing up the coins, but like there's an element of that that also kind of reminds me of, you know, uh, like folklore describing leprechauns and, and some of the fairy stuff where they would have like a horde of gold, you know, for you fans of, Neil Gaiman's American Gods, it's like they're able to like sort of produce at will like these gold coins and stuff. So it's like, I don't know, is there like a connection there? Like maybe for all we know, maybe that that old, 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 you know, folklore of like leprechauns being able to produce gold Mm. and like, oh, there's, you know, Mm -hmm. a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Like, hell, for all we know, like maybe that was inspired by one of these things, one of yeah, these. Yeah, yeah, that's a good you know, point, man, for sure. I just think that, like, man. I think there's, you know, like I said, I feel like there's, like, multi kind of things at play. Like, I feel, I feel pretty good about the, well, I say I feel pretty good about it. I, I feel okay about the angel hair being, like, a, a byproduct of, like, the, like, you know, the filament type stuff, mm-hmm. like, the, the that sloughs off of, like, um, like, an electromagnetic field. I think that's pretty cool, especially when you look at that one case where they saw two, you know, shining spindles, like sort of these flakes, these filaments were like coming off of those spindles. And it's like, it just sounds like UFOs, you know, Mm -hmm. there, there's an element of this too, especially with the angel hair that, uh, and this is an episode, we'll do another episode, but it's like, like contrails or like chemtrails, if you will, where a lot of people are claiming that like they have like, uh, this thing called like Morgellons disease. And I know a lot of the scientists kind of like, you know, just brush it off and say, Oh, they're just, you know, it's some sort of psychosomatic thing or they're just like making it up or whatever. Mm -hmm. But it's like, you know, there's been like these things that have been found where like they're, they're like these hair, like filaments that these people have like under the skin and they're like extremely painful. And a lot of the cases they, you know, they go to do x-rays and stuff. And when they're, you know, putting like the X rays on the thing, it's like it starts, it can move, or like they'll just dissolve when they hit air. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of like little things like that that feel like maybe that's, I don't know. So I feel like maybe that's somehow tied into a lot of the that angel hair kind of thing, hmm. which that's is interesting, man. Yeah, we'll get into well, that. That's that's a whole other episode for sure. Yeah, but yeah, dude. Um, a lot of different things that we have no good answer to. Yeah. I think this is a good place
0: to kind of wrap it up. But before we do, I got to say, folks, we're super, super excited because we've got now, September 5th, our Patreon that we, we call The Rabbit Trail is live. And so now, uh, other than like all the random ways that you can support our show, this is the best way to support our show because mm-hmm. of all the extra stuff that you get. Yes.
1: And it takes a lot of time, you know, it, it takes a lot of, I mean, for all you folks that, you know, have may have your own podcast and stuff like that. It, it takes a ton of time that, you know, at the end yeah. of the day, it's like, we're, we're spending in front of a computer or we're <laughs> in the studio you know, recording. Or and, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it really does help us and it helps us continue to keep doing this. Um, mm-hmm. I know, I know in the past, like, and I'm guilty of this, it's like, Oh, it's just sort of a money grab. But, for us, it was more about like, well, I think I think the, the main goal of the podcast just in general was two best friends talking about stuff that we're interested in and mm-hmm. for posterity's sake being able to leave it to our kids. And, you know, it, it's really kind of taken off and we have a ton of fun, but there's times where, you know, maybe we don't want to stop the episode at an hour and 30 minutes or maybe, maybe there's like a little more meat on that bone and – we wanted a place that we can just kind of unwind and relax and be a little more loosey-goosey and mm-hmm. talk about maybe even more bizarre uh, yeah. sort of theories and stuff. But before we before we leave, I know we got to go, so this is going to be very fast, but last week we talked about the cryptid, the Thunderbird, mm-hmm. and I really had to bite my tongue because I knew that in the Patreon episode, we were going to be getting into my favorite part of the story and... It's called The Missing Thunderbird Photo. And mm-hmm. so we get into it heavy on the Patreon. So, like, please go check it out because it's it's one of my all-time favorite things. And it's such a beautiful sort of piece of, like, American history, especially as far as, like, the paranormal goes and cryptozoology. But it's just, like, it's one of those things. It's it's still unanswered to this day. And I just felt that, like, I really needed to at least, like, mention it on the show Uh, maybe you don't have the money at the moment and maybe you can't hop on Patreon. Like, we get it. Times are tough. Mm -hmm. And so for you folks, I wanted to at least give like a little brief thing about it. So, uh, and again, this is the very, very, very elevator pitch version of this. So it's this idea that all of these super famous investigators, uh, you know, the, the investigators that Woody and I are standing on the shoulders of, basically the 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 main reason that we have a podcast that we're able to talk about this stuff. it's John Keel, Ivan T. Sanderson. It's these guys that were instead of just hopping on like a computer and looking at the internet for thirty minutes to get you know to do like quote unquote research, these are guys that would like hop on a plane or hop on a train, fly all the way down, you know, like Stan Stanton Friedman flying all the way down to Roswell, New Mexico, and just going from house to house to house asking if anybody had any family members that remember this and so it's like these are the guys that that built what we're sort of continuing and so there's an idea that all of these guys I mean not all of them but like there's a, a ton of them that all remember this famous event that happened where they remember seeing this photo this famous photo of a th- of like a you know it was called a Thunderbird that was nailed to a barn. And sort of like these cowboys were all sort of like either holding it up or standing in front of it with their guns or something like that. Some accounts people remember like they were more like prospector types. And we get really into it with the, the Patreon episode in the sense of like, uh, there was an article that, that came out by a guy named Mark Trevinsky, who's a great investigator. He wrote a lot for Strange Magazine and a lot of those other type magazines. And he did a big, big article on the missing Thunderbird photo for a magazine called Strange Magazine. And so we get really into that. We read a lot of that, uh, that article because it's really fascinating. And it Mm -hmm. breaks down. The interesting thing is it breaks down like how all of these investigators have all these differing things, but they remember this exact same photo. But the problem is, is like the photo doesn't exist. It's nowhere to be found people have scoured attics, yard sales, uh, you know, because some people believe that like, well, well, I I think I saw it in like Argosy or True or Mail magazine Mm -hmm. back in the 60s. Other people seem to remember it from the actual article, which we get really into this too. There was an original story in 1890, April 26, 1890, of the Tombstone Epitaph newspaper. There's an article of these two cowboys that ended up being chased and they end up shooting down a thunderbird and a lot of the people that remember this remember the photo directly from the newspaper itself but then now you look and there's there's no picture so all that to say is it a is it the sort of byproduct of just all these people misremembering because again like I said these are the people that are like the researchers, a lot of the like, you know, Ivan yeah. T. Sanderson, he's one of the guys. He's the reason that like we have terms like cryptozoology and stuff. Yeah. And so, what's the likelihood of them just for misremembering? Yeah, that's the thing, you know. And, and again, this was something that they and were we very get more into it. Well, the- well, let me say that. So, is it a matter of the Mandela effect? Is it a matter of just people misremembering, or is it something maybe even a little more nefarious? And uh, if that sounds interesting, go on over to our Patreon because it's fascinating. Mm-hmm. It's such a cool story. And and honestly, it, you know, since the age of the Internet, I feel like, uh, well, the modern Internet, like nowadays, it's something that's really kind of flown under the radar that not a lot of people know. Yeah. And so, you know, I at I, I least needed to mention it on the free feed. Um, <laughs> because Because you were trying so hard not to last week when we were God. talking about the Thunderbird. Yeah, it was so difficult. Like, you would say something and I would be like, Nope, can't (laughs) say it. Uh, But anyway, uh, yeah, go check out our Patreon. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have a lot of fun stuff happening.
0: Um, And at the time of this recording, you know, full full, uh, disclosure here, we're actually recording this several weeks before the launch of our Patreon. So mm -hmm. keep in mind that as we go along, you can get the updates of what we're going to include via you know our Instagram or our website or whatever. As of now, thank you, since when you're hearing this, it should be September 5th. Mm-hmm. Thank you to anybody and everyone that has already signed up for the Patreon. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, again, one of the benefits is that we're going to, of course, give everyone that's a part of it credit. It's just that
1: we're doing
0: this way before we even launch it, really. So Yeah, we
1: have to, you know, some of the stuff we have to... Be sort of ahead of the eight ball, if you will, because we got families and jobs and all that stuff. But um, but anyway, if you want to find us, head on over to Instagram. If you would like to check out our new website, which has everything, has a way for you to record your own story. If you want to tell us something cool or or something that's like a localized occurrence, that's sort of phenomenon in your area, uh, you can do that straight from the website. And that is that would be radpodcast Head on over there for like what he said, you know, episodes and, and a little bit of everything. It's, it's really, really cool. And we're really excited about it. But for those that want to stick to social media or on Instagram, Instagram, if you want to tell us about something, DM us, or you still prefer to shoot us an email, uh, you know, you want to write an essay about a cryptid in your area. uh, That's, that would be radpod at gmail.com. Buy us a coffee, tell one single friend about the show it makes a huge deal as well as giving us five star reviews on whatever podcaster you have that just continues to sort of push us out onto the masses and uh, we really appreciate you for it we got anything else Woody? I think that's it man cool bro we appreciate you we love you and as always be rad that's the way you go.